We just finished a sermon series on Galatians. I really enjoyed Galatians. I, I really did. I, 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 I really enjoyed hearing myself, okay? <laughs> no, that was, that was just wrong in every way, wasn't it? I, I really enjoyed digging into it and, and really going through that book and, and getting involved in it. Um, and, and then, you know, while I'm doing these things, you guys probably think it all just comes really easy for me, okay? It doesn't. It's always a struggle trying to find something fresh and new and what's going to challenge us, what's going to take us to another level and, and, and all of these things. And, you know, I say fresh because what I'm really going to talk for the next couple of weeks is something on the topic called a fresh air. Um, we need freshness within our lives and everything. You know, you freshen up your wardrobe. Why? Because the old one's getting kind of dull and ugly. You're freshening up on a new car. Why? Because the other one is starting to break down and getting dull and ugly, and especially if it's a minivan, you know? You, you freshen up on things. You know, you take a shower. Why? Because if you've been in the hot Florida sun like I was this past week, you did not want to be around me by the time 9 o'clock in the evening came, all right? Um, so we're, we're always looking for something fresh. We're always looking for something different. We need something new. We need something that's going to encourage us and really take us to another level in whatever dimension of your life or sect of life that you're concentrating on or feeling, um, I guess the, the, word would, the words would say, a lack thereof. We oftentimes go through these slumps or these spiritual slumps, as like I like to call them, spiritual moments where we just go, I'm just not feeling right now what I was feeling. And watch this, that happens a lot during the summer season. I mean, think about, you know, we just got through, uh, what, the 4th of July, we just got through the craziness of pony pinning, we just got through, you got through vacations, you've gotten through so many different things, so many family activities, that oftentimes our busy schedule takes precedence over what God needs us to be involved in within our lives, church, the Bible, and the topic we're really going to nail down today, and that's prayer. I, I, I just got to open up to you here for just a moment. And, and I want to share my heart for just a split second here and say, we, you have to have prayer. Amen. You really need prayer. Yes. You need it so bad for your life. You know, it's, it's great for me to, 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 to mention that we need prayer. And, and, and I do it almost every message because it's one of those spiritual disciplines that I'm solely bought into that if we don't have, you can't live a successful spiritual Christian Christ-following life. Prayer is essential. It's the top three in my opinion. You've got reading the Bible, you've got prayer, and you've got fasting. All three of these need to be in your life at some point. Prayer needs to be one that is daily. The Bible needs to be one that is daily. I've been so, I guess even for me personally, so challenged as of late. Going, are we really praying enough? Or let's just say this. Are you even praying? Some of you right now should be going, Pastor, I really wish you didn't hit that topic. Because I'm feeling the guilt. You know you need to. 
It's been on your heart. It's been on your mind. It's been resonating within your spirit, but yet you can find every excuse not to be involved in it. And then we wonder sometimes how we get to the spot we are spiritually where we're seeing no real growth. Any relationship that has no communication in it will absolutely fail 100% of the time. A marriage will fail if there's no communication. A relationship with a child will fail if there's no communication. A friendship will fail if there's no communication. So your spiritual life will fail if you're not communicating to God. So many of us, we must become refreshed. We think about needing to be refreshed. We think about, well, where should I go? The last place sometimes we think of is church. Why? Because we don't want to be in an environment that challenges me and shows me where I'm wrong or where I need to allow him to increase in my life. It's easy for us to turn something into what God intended to be life-giving and refreshing and make it into something that has become mundane and routine. If there's anything that has ever become mundane and routine in our life, it's two things. It's church and it's prayer. That's why I want to talk to you for the next few weeks about this topic called fresh air. I'm going to take a theme verse and what I need you to understand here, we're going to look at this theme verse over and over again for the next several weeks. But Paul had this friend, and I've been really on Paul a lot because we're in the New Testament. Hello. I mean, you can't get away from Paul in the New Testament. I'm sorry. There's a reason why. The man's full of wisdom and knowledge and life experience. And he's so very real. How about that scripture where he goes, I don't want to do it anymore, but I keep doing it. And not only do I keep doing it, but I keep doing it over and over and over and over. I added another over in there for him, all right? Actually, that was your over. But the word fresh or refresh in the Greek literally means to put breath back in. You know, anything without breath is death, is dead. I need breath within my spiritual life. Watch this, 2 Timothy 1.16. And I'm going to murder this name most likely. May the Lord bless. You know, I did a Google translation for all week. Like, how do I say it? How do I say it? How do I say it? And it just left my mind. <laughs> We're going to say, may the Lord bless Onisiphorus. Sounds good to me. I mean, think about that name. We're talking about Paul, and then you got Onisiphorus. What was the mom and dad thinking? I mean, why? It could have been like Ted. Where's he at? Is he here? Think about it. There we go. All right, cool. Here we go. All right. And all his family, because he visited me and encouraged me often. Who knows you need a friend like that? You got some friends that are extremely toxic. That's a whole other sermon series. Oh, yeah, that'll preach, won't it? You got some friendships that are in your life that you could absolutely do without. Not only could you do without, but you must do without. All right, here we go. And his family, because he visited me and encouraged me often. His visits revived me like a breath of fresh air. What kind of friend are you being to someone? Are you being a 
breath of fresh air to someone's life? Are you being like this gentleman here? Have you ever had a friend that when you talk to them, you left encouraged? They could, watch this, they could even not address any issues that you're going on within your life, but you just being around them in some way, some forth, left encouraged. Thank you. All right. You need that in your life. Now, here's what we're going to get into here for a second. Several series ago, I talked a, on a topic called the doldrums. Does anybody remember them? The doldrums? One person. Thank you. I need to go back to the prayer closet because I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I didn't even need to bring that up. I could have just kept preaching and been like, hey, it's brand new stuff, pastor. Good job. But a place called the doldrums, this is a specific spot in the ocean where the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere come together. Do you ring a bell now? Is it, is it connecting? All right. Just pretend like it is, please. All right. And what it does, it creates this place called, or a zone called the doldrums where um, it, it meets the, the equator and, and, and there's no air, there's no wind, there's no life within that area. And, and, and the only way to get through that, if, if you're ever in the ocean, I did some research on this stuff, okay, so just understand this, that there, there's been a lot of deaths, a lot, a lot of mysteries that have happened in that area because if, if you didn't have a motorized boat, you were trapped. You couldn't get out of it. For many of us, this should kind of be relatable because we can understand that spiritually, oftentimes, we get caught into a dead zone within our lives. And I've seen far too many people in my personal experience, as not just as a pastor, because I've only been a pastor for like a year and eight months, something like that. But through ministry and through growing up in ministry, seeing so many people get caught up in this place where we just go through routine and the mundane and never really see potential growth and real growth take place. That is a shame. That is a place that I don't want to be in and that is a place that I don't want you in. And so for us, this is a place that can become relatable. We know what we're supposed to do. We know where we want to go but we kind of get stuck in this zone where nothing is happening, where there's no wind, there's no life, there's no breath. It, it can move erratically between different weather patterns. Watch this in, in the doldrums. I, I, I found this, and I found this to be interesting. This is a part that I didn't add several series ago, but nobody remembers that anyway. So, Yeah, this is great. This is great. I'm glad you guys gave me that bit of information, all right? And what happens in this place is that there's no way to predict a weather pattern in it. And there's oftentimes extreme violent storms that happen erratically. Hmm. Think about your life for a second. Have you ever found yourself to be caught up into some storms that you've never seen coming? Just erratically popped up out of nowhere. And you're in a zone where there's no breath of fresh air. There's no life in it anymore because you've allowed yourself to drift away from the winds and the spirit and the flow of God's holiness in your life. Because we understand that the holiness of God is not something that we need to make very comp 
complex, is it? God's will for our lives is to be simply holy, which means this, just be different. Just being different. The doldrums is used to describe a person in this type of condition. Maybe this is a condition, maybe this is a state spiritually that you are currently in in your life. Maybe you feel as if you stay in storm after storm after storm. Steps that I feel will help you get out of this dead zone, we're going to go through here in just a few moments. But first, why? How have we gotten in to this place that we could call spiritually the doldrums? Number one, it's this. When we've drifted away. If we... Or if you get within those winds of your life that are pulling you in opposite directions. That God is wanting you to go this way, but the enemy is trying to get you to go that way. And you find yourself not just sitting. You know what one of the great scriptures that I find in the New Testament? We understand that that, that this, it, it is greater for us to be what? Either hot or cold, right? Not to be what? Lukewarm. Because the Bible says, what will he do? He will spew you out of his mouth. Many of us, we've drifted into a place like this. Not really on fire for God, but yet we are not living the devil's way either. We're kind of like in this zone and we're drifting away and, and, and there's a place where there's no wind. We have one foot. We're trying to keep in living for God. But yet we have another foot that is still staying in the world because we don't want to quite give up all of it. And then we wonder, why isn't God moving the way that I'm expecting him to move within my life? It's simply this. You're serving two masters. And you can't do that. You're either serving God whole or you're serving God none. Nothing can ever take precedence over him. Corinthians, Paul describes it this way when he was speaking to the church at Corinth. He goes, I can't really consider you spiritually and I can't really call you worldly either. You're a mixture of the two and you are carnal, he said. We want to, listen to this, we want enough of Jesus to get to heaven but still want a little bit of the world in us. We think that's fun, but rather it's miserable. Second thing, that how we get caught up in the doldrums is this. We've neglected the basics. I've already told you the basics of a, of a good Christian life for us. What? The word of God, prayer, and allowing fasting. This is why these sets of messages will be practical for us. I believe the Bible just isn't a book that inspires or even sometimes slightly confuses But it is real, and it is life-giving. It puts wind in my sail. It breathes into me every single day of my life. I have to have the Bible. And then thirdly, what is another reason? What is another reasoning as to how we get into the doldrums? It's this, when we've lost our purpose. I firmly believe that the only place that you are ever going to experience a life that is full is when you are doing what God has called you to do. I've had so many conversations with so many people in the last couple months 
And it's all based upon what God is wanting them to do, and they're not happy. And just about every single one of them, if not all of them, my advice is, are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you fulfilling God's plan for your life? Are you taking the necessary steps to put yourself into an environment of success when it comes to spiritualness with God? Because when we are in the perfect will of God in our lives and we are fulfilling the purpose, that is when you will live a life that is full of joy, that feels complete, and that is satisfying. I know not everyone in here is called to be a pastor. Not everyone in here is not called to be a musician. Not everyone in here is not called to be a singer. Not everyone in here is not called to be a greeter or part of the cafe or the Connect Central. Not everyone is part, called to be part of Kid City or Puddle Jumpers. Not everyone is called to be part of His Way. Not everyone is called to be a part of a life group or a leader in a life group. You're all called to be part of a life group. That's coming up next week. You're going to start getting info. But everything that I listed, we all can be a part of. God has given you ability. He's given you talent. And you guys hear this from me all the time. There's a reason. Because you're not listening. It's obvious. You didn't even know what the doldrums was. thought you'd like that one. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about several different topics over the, next, over the few, next few weeks. And the big one today is simply about the least of them, what I think, because we treat it as the least, and that is prayer. Do you know Jesus prayed a lot? Hello, Jesus, he had to, right? Actually, don't you think we need to pray more than he did? You're not partly God, are you? You have faults, don't you? You have real struggles. But yet we think we can get through these on our own power. And we can post everything on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and we can get the response that we want or not get the responses that we want. So we can feel sorry for ourselves, but never open up the word of God or open our mouth when it comes to prayer. You want to see a dying church, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the church in general, when we stop praying. You want to know why you're not living the potential that God has for your life? I promise you this, it's because you're not praying. I love this, Luke 1, it's awesome. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now I want to stop there for a second, I need you to understand something. Jesus was always praying. It just doesn't one day he was praying. Jesus was praying all the time. He's praying daily. So we understand, he says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, Jesus traveled a lot in his ministry. He was moving around, going place to place. So the way I see it is I have a routine within my life. I believe that Christ more than likely had a routine within his life. You have a routine within your life. And I'm always trying to find a place, a way that I can get to pray or to be in his word. 
less distraction. So Jesus, as in the scripture says, one day he was praying in a certain place. So more than likely, he separated himself, going to a place where there would be no distraction. He says, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, do you think they didn't really know how to pray? They were Jewish. The Jewish custom taught prayer within the synagogues. They taught them how to pray, but they taught them prayer through memorization. So what happened to the prayer? It became what? Routine, mundane, and it became extremely boring. There was no life in it. There was no breath in it. What happened? They found themselves in the doldrums where many of you are today. So here they are, they're praying, and I can see, I, I, I try to visualize it in my mind, like Jesus is over here and the disciples are over here, and they watch him daily. They're with him all the time. And so he's praying, and, and they know there's something different about Jesus because there's a power that comes from him. There's an attraction. Why? Because Jesus is what? Somebody tell me. Contagious. He's contagious. People want to be around him. So he's over there praying in a certain place. And they're like, when he's done, they go, hey, we teach us how to do that. That is different than what we've ever been taught before. We, we have these memorized prayers and these routine prayers. But Lord, teach us really how to pray. Because when Jesus prayed, there was life. When Jesus prayed, things changed. I love it when Jesus prayed, he didn't say, oh, most heavenly, no, Father. We see it all throughout scripture. Father, Abba, Father. Remember, we are adopted into the family of God, are we not? Which means an adoption can never go void. We're stuck in his hand. Or rather less, we're blessed in his hand. So when Jesus prayed, he knew, he prayed with a confidence that his father was listening. You know, I think about my kids all the time. I have to. They're in my face, like right here all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and to get my attention, it's daddy, 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 daddy. I don't want that ever to change. Unfortunately, I know one day it will. It'll be dad or old man. I hope not, you know? <laughs> the one tried pastor, Kevin. And he thinks it's funny now, so he keeps doing it, you know. You know. But when they come and they, they, they present themselves to me that way, what is it? It, it? it shows something very important. It's relational. It's not a I have to. It's relational. There's love. There's affection. So when Jesus went before his father, he said, Father. And he prayed. And so here the disciples are. They go, you know what? We want to learn how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Now, we're going to get into a scripture here. And, and it's, we all memorize it. You, you know it. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer that is said all the time. But was that the intent of what Jesus was saying? Absolutely not. The Lord's Prayer wasn't intended for us to pray. It's made up of seven different topics 
that we, now, that we need to allow to be relatable within our prayers. So these disciples, you know, they're sitting there watching, and, and all they're used to is this routine, mundane way of praying. Memorized prayers that are what? Not heartfelt, no emotion behind them, more than likely no love. It becomes what? I have to. To where they see Jesus praying and something's different. He's talking like God is right there, like his father is right in front of him. And they say, you know what? We want to pray like that. So let's get right into it. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is a prayer. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today what our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Seven phrases within this. The first one is our father who is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us to do this. Number one in your notes, connect with God relationally. Start by calling him your father. To him that is what? Endearing. Know that he loves you as a father. Watch this. Know that he loves you as a daddy. He wants this relationship with you. He wants to be your father. Jesus' favorite title for God was father. It was all about the relationship. Watch this. Romans 8 and 15 says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Stop right there for a second. We know we're not slaves. We're sonship. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God, the Most High Father. We've been, what, adopted into the family. You have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit. Remember in the New Testament what the Holy Spirit is said to be, or God's spirit? It's pneuma, meaning what? Breath, air. All right? Breath of air. He says, when he adopted you as his own children, now we call him Abba, Father. We should take on the view of God in relational terms. Number two, we need to do this. We need to run to his name. The names of God have power. We understand, but the, drop the very name of Jesus and every devil in hell has to what? Flee. Proverbs 18.10 says this. God's name is a place of what? Protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. Mm. What Jesus is saying here is the next time you think about God, you'd be thinking about his names. Call him righteous because why? He has made you righteous. In other words, I don't have to depend upon my own efforts anymore. God, you are my what? Sanctifier. Every day you allow me to be set apart, to be different. Daily, Lord, you do this in my life. I love this. God, what? He's, he's our provider. Supply me with everything that I need. Everything. You're my peace. I know there's craziness in your life. Craziness in my life. But when I get close to God, none of that matters. 
He comes in and brings peace. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. God, you are my banner of victory, which means you go before me in my life. In every fight, Lord. Understand that there are eight covenant names of God throughout Scripture. Jesus then says there's a little secret about God. Most, first, most Christians forget about this one here. Number three, pray his agenda first. Gosh, man, couldn't we just live our life like that one? Jeez. Isn't it, tr- isn't it true that when we get into prayer, we have a what? A list for God? You know, write down what you want from God. Write them down. Write them down. Write them down. Well, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Number one should be this. I want your will. If and only if these things are part of that, then I want them too. If not, don't answer it. Plain and simple. And watch this. Here's here's my suggestion to you. Don't try to be God yourself. Pray his agenda first. Focus on what he's focused on for your life and watch how he will reciprocate that. Watch this, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and then his righteousness and all those things will be given to you as well. In other words, seek God's will at first in your life and watch your wants and desires become less and less and you fall more in tune with his purpose, his plan for your life. He takes care of you when you take care of him. What is God's agenda? I love this. Let us never lose focus on this as a church. What is God's agenda? The lost. It's a thing that's on his mind the most. His creation. Those who are not part of the body. He wants his children back. He goes on to say within the prayer, give us today our daily bread. Number four brings, depend on him for everything. Not just involving God in where you may have needs, but involve him in everything, every activity. Involve him in your family. Involve him in every decision. Involve him in your job. Involving God. Our daily prayer should be, God, I want you involved in everything. Not just some things. Everything. So that brings me to this. Are there some daily activities within your life that you would be embarrassed for God to be beside you and with you in? We don't need an hour to answer. (laughs) Think about that. I love the way Paul said it, flee, flee, get away from it, get out of it, because I need God in everything that I'm doing. Psalms 121, one through two, the psalmist says this, it's a beautiful verse, I look up to the mountains, and does my help come from there? No. My help comes from the Lord, who made what? Heaven and earth. In other words, what? All things. Allowing God to be in everything. 
And, and so Jesus covers that, and then he moves on to something else. And, he, and this is a sensitive part. This is a tough one. This is difficult. This is hard. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Number five, keep your heart right with God and with who? People. If you want a ton of wind in your sail every day, go before God asking for forgiveness. Repentance should be a daily thing within your life. Forgive me, Lord, of my sin. Watch this. Here, here you go. Lord, make us sensitive to sin again. Make me sensitive to sin. What does that mean? How is that defined? Show me what I'm doing wrong. And before I'm about to do something wrong, show me God. We have become a society and, and really a church that we've become numb to so much. We've been calloused. And then we wonder how we get into the doldrums spiritually where there's no wind, there's no breath, there's nothing happening. Romans 12 and 21 says this, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I, I like the way Jesus said, he says, forgive us to the degree that we can forgive people. Imagine how, imagine that if God took a stand like that. He only forgives me on the degree that I forgive others. That's dangerous. That is dangerous living. That is a gamble I do not want to take. And listen, even as I've prepared this, I myself have been challenged. Lord, I need to forgive. I need to show love. I need to show compassion. Because, Lord, I, I don't want you to judge me according to how I'm forgiving others. So how are you doing that? This leads us into our sixth element. It says this. Do not lead us into temptation, but to what? Deliver us from the evil one. It's actually a bad English translation. Uh, because in, in the... In the original language, it was meant to say, do not allow us to be led into temptation. Because God doesn't lead us into temptation. But do not let us be led into temptation. Who leads us into temptation? We do. When temptation comes my way, give me the power to simply say no. So number six, take your stand against the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6 uh, 10 through 11, and then I, I believe it's verse 18, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The next words are put on. So that's your responsibility. Put on the full armor of God. Nowhere does it say to ask permission from God first, because why? It's already yours. The armor is there as a Christ follower. All we have to do is our part, and that is what? Put it on, the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So how do we do that? Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. In other words, we learn 
hear that there are different types of prayers. There's devotional prayers and moments where you have confrontational prayers. Prayers like in the name of Jesus and the power and the authority of the word of God through the victory of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Saying I'm going to take my stand against you and everything that you bring my way. Devil, you will not have my kids. I will pray a hedge of protection over them. Devil, there will be no breaching of the walls of the sanctity and the covenant of marriage. Devil, there will be no weapon formed against me. It will not prosper. You will fail through the power in the name of Jesus Christ. There are times when you need to pray with boldness and know who you are. Know the authority that has been given to you. Understand whose spirit is inside of you. Understand that you are greater than anything that the enemy, the Satan, the devil himself can ever bring your way. Understand that you will always, listen, understand that you will always be victorious regardless of this outcome. Your eternal outcome says you win every single time. I, lo- <clears throat> I love the, the scripture that says the effectual fervent. Do you know what fervent means? Zealous. That meaning means hot or boiling over. The effectual prayers of a hot and boiling prayer of a righteous man, that is not gender specific there, that is man or woman, avails much. That means this prayer time should become exciting. You're talking to your dad. You're talking to your father. The one who is watching over, protecting, leading, and guiding. The one who has provided over and over and over again for you. Jesus says it this way as he ends it. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever." Amen. I want you to stand with me. What he's saying here is number seven. Have faith in God's ability. Faith meaning this, trust in it. Trust in God's ability here. Reminding ourselves that God has the ability to accomplish what? All that we pray. And what are we going to pray? God's agenda. How are we going to address him? Father. Who are we running to? Him. What are we asking? Forgiveness. And Lord, help us to forgive. Not help us, make us forgive. I need to forgive. And how am I doing this? With boldness and courage. With intensity. I'm going to do it with a confrontational prayer. I'm not being confrontational to God. I'm being confrontational against the enemy. Because I don't want him to have a stronghold over my life, over my wife, over my kids, over this church, over you, over my community. I'm tired of the church becoming bashful 
I'm tired of the church being mundane. I'm tired of the church being scared. We need to know who we are. Do you know who my dad is? Abba. Do you know what he has? Everything. Do you know how powerful he is? You'll never defeat him. Do you know how much love he shares? It never runs out. Scripture. 1 John 5 and 14 through 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, remember, according to whose will? His will. He hears us. You want to know why some of those prayers haven't been answered? Because he can't hear it. Because you're wanting things that are out of the will. It's not his fault. He tells us here that he can't hear it. Stop blaming him. Get into the will of God. What is the will? To be holy. What does that mean? To be different. And when I'm holy and I'm different, I have no other choice but to live in the will and the purpose and the plan of God. Do you see how that connects? When what I ought to do becomes what? What I want to do. I don't think I need to say anything else. I'm going to open this altar up for you. And if you realize prayer needs to be a focal point again, and you realize that prayer needs to become of the utmost importance, and you see the lack of it in your life, or if you just want to come up here and pray, because I just want to say thank you, step out from where you are, and come to this front right now.